0: Be seated. Matthew 27, 32 through 61. And on the way, they met a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, and they forced him to carry Jesus's cross. They came to the place named Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And there they gave Jesus some wine mixed with a drug to ease the pain. But when Jesus tasted what it was, he refused to drink it. And the soldiers nailed Jesus to a cross and gambled to see who would get his clothes. Then they sat down to guard him. And above his head, they put a sign that told why he was nailed there. It read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And the soldiers also nailed two criminals on crosses, one to the right of Jesus and the other to his left. And people who passed by said terrible things about Jesus. They shook their heads and shouted, so you're the one who claimed you could tear down the temple and build it again in three days. If you are God's son, save yourself and come down from that cross. The chief priests, the leaders, and the teachers of the law of Moses also made fun of Jesus. They said he saved others, but he can't save himself. If he is the king of Israel, he should come down from the cross. Then we will believe him. He trusted God, so let God save him if he wants to. He's even said he was this God's son. The two criminals also said cruel things to Jesus. And at noon, the sky turned dark and stayed that way until three o'clock. Then about that time, Jesus shouted, Eli, Eli. Lema which means, my God, my God, why have you deserted me? Some of the people standing there heard Jesus and said, he's calling for Elijah. And one of them at once ran and grabbed a sponge and he soaked it in wine and then put it on a stick and held it up to Jesus. Others said, wait, let's see if Elijah will come down and save him. Once again, Jesus shouted and then he died. At once the curtain in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth shook and rocks split apart. Graves opened, and many of God's people were raised to life. They left their graves, and after Jesus had risen to life, they went into the holy city where they were seen by many people. The officers and the soldiers guarding Jesus felt the earthquake and saw everything else that happened. They were frightened and said, this man really was God's son. Now, many women had come with Jesus from Galilee to be to be a help to him. And they were there looking on at a distance. Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of James and John were some of these women. And that evening, a rich disciple named Joseph from the town of Arimathea went and asked for Jesus's body. And Pilate gave the orders for it to be given to Joseph. Who took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. Then Joseph put the body in his own tomb that had been cut into solid rock and had never been used, and he rolled a big stone against the entrance to the tomb and went away. All this time Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb. Here from Mark. The soldiers took Jesus to Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And there they gave him some wine mixed with a drug to ease the pain, but he refused to drink it. And they nailed Jesus to a cross and gambled to see who would get his clothes. It was about nine o'clock in the morning when they nailed him to the cross. And on it was a sign that told while he was nailed there. It read, this is the king of the Jews. The soldiers also nailed two criminals on crosses, one to his right of Jesus and the other to his left. "'People who passed by said terrible things about Jesus. "'They shook their heads and shouted, "'Ha, so you're the one who claimed "'you could tear down the temple "'and build it again in three days. "'Save yourself and come down from the cross.' "'The chief priest and the teachers of the law of Moses "'also made fun of Jesus. "'They said to each other, "'He saved others, but he cannot save himself. "'If he is the Messiah, the King of Israel, "'let him come down from the cross.' Then we will see and believe. The two criminals also said cruel things to Jesus. And about noon, the sky turned dark and stayed that way until around three o'clock. Then about that time, Jesus shouted, which means, my God, my God, why have you deserted me? Some of the people standing there heard Jesus and said, he is calling for Elijah. And one of them ran and grabbed a sponge. And after he had soaked it in wine, he put it on a stick and he held it up to Jesus. He said, let's wait and see if Elijah will come down and take him down. Jesus shouted and then died. At once, the curtain in the temple tore in two from the top to the bottom. A Roman army official was standing in front of Jesus. And when the officer saw how Jesus died, he said, This man really was the son of God. Some women were looking on from a distance. They and many others had come with Jesus to Jerusalem. But even before this, they had been his followers and had helped him while he was in Galilee. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of the younger James and of Joseph, were two of these women. Salome was also one of them. It was now the evening before the Sabbath and the Jewish people were getting ready for that sacred day. A man named Joseph from Arimathea was brave enough to ask Pilate for the body of Jesus. Joseph was a highly respected member of the Jewish council, and he was also waiting for God's kingdom to come. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead, and he called in the army official to find out if Jesus had been dead for very long. After the official told him, Pilate let Joseph have Jesus' body. And Joseph brought a linen cloth and took the body down from the cross. He had it wrapped in the cloth, and he put it in the tomb that had been cut into solid rock. Then he rolled a big stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were watching and saw where the body was placed. From Luke The people kept on shouting as loud as they could for Jesus to be put to death. And finally, Pilate gave in. He freed a man who was in jail for rioting and murder because he was the one the crowd wanted to be set free. Then Pilate handed Jesus over to them to do what they wanted to with him. And as Jesus was being led away, some soldiers grabbed a hold of a man named Simon who was from Cyrene. He was coming in from the fields, but they put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd was following Jesus, and in the crowd, a lot of women were crying and weeping for him. Jesus turned to the women and said, women of Jerusalem, don't cry for me. Cry for yourselves and for your children. Someday people will say, women who never had children are really fortunate. At that time, everyone will say to the mountains, fall on us, and they will say to the hills, hide us. If this can happen when the wood is green, what do you think will happen when it is dry? Two criminals were led out to be put to death with Jesus. And when the soldiers came to the place called the skull, they nailed Jesus to the cross. They also nailed the two criminals to crosses, one on each side of Jesus. Jesus said, Father, Forgive these people. They don't know what they are doing. And while the crowd stood there watching Jesus, the soldiers gambled for his clothes. The leaders insulted him by saying, he saved others. Now he should save himself if he really is God's chosen Messiah. And the soldiers made fun of Jesus and brought him some wine. And they said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And above him was a sign that said, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging there also insulted Jesus by saying, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and save us. But the other criminal told the first one off, Don't you fear God? Aren't you getting the same punishment as this man? You got what was coming to us, but he didn't do anything wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into power. And Jesus replied, I promise that today you will be with me in paradise. Around noon, the sky turned dark and stayed that way until the middle of the afternoon. And the sun stopped shining, and the curtain in the temple split down the middle, and Jesus shouted, Father, I put myself in your hands. And then he died. When a Roman officer saw what had happened, he praised God and said, Jesus must really have been a good man. And a crowd had gathered to see the terrible sight. Then, after they had seen it, they felt heartbroken and went home. And all Jesus' close friends and the women who had come with him from Galilee stood at a distance and watched. And there was a man named Joseph who was from Arimathea in Judea. And Joseph was a good and honest man, and he was eager for God's kingdom to come. He was also a member of the council. And he did not agree with what they had decided. Joseph went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in fine cloth. Then he put it in a tomb that had been cut out of solid rock and had never been used. It was Friday, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and watched how Jesus' body was placed in the tomb. Then they went to prepare some sweet smelling spices for his burial. But on the Sabbath they rested, as the law of Moses commands. Let's now hear from John. It was about noon on the day before Passover, and Pilate said to the crowd, Look at your king. Kill him. Kill him, they yelled. Nail him to a cross. So you want me to nail your king to a cross, Pilate asked. The chief priest replied, The emperor is our king. And Pilate handed Jesus over to be nailed to the cross. And Jesus was taken away, and he carried his cross to the place known as the skull. In Aramaic, this place is called Golgotha. And there Jesus was nailed to the cross. And on each side of him, a man was also nailed to the cross. Pilate ordered the charge against Jesus to be written on a board and put over the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. The words were written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. The place where Jesus was taken wasn't far from the city, and many of the people read the charge against him. So the chief priest went to Pilate and said, Why did you write that he is King of the Jews? You should have written, He claimed to be king of the Jews, but Pilate told them, what is written will not be changed. After the soldiers had nailed Jesus to the cross, they divided up his clothes into four parts, one for each of them, but his outer garment was made from a single piece of cloth and it did not have any seams. The soldiers said to each other, let's not rip it apart. We will gamble to see who gets it. This happened so scriptures could come true, which say, They divided up my clothes and gambled for my garments. The soldiers then did what they had decided. Jesus' mother stood beside his cross with her sister and Mary, the wife of Clopas. Mary Magdalene was standing there too. And when Jesus saw his mother and his favorite disciple with her, he said to his mother, This man is now your son. And then he said to the disciple, she is now your mother. From then on, that disciple took her into his own home. Jesus knew that he had now finished his work. And in order to make the scriptures come true, he said, I am thirsty. And a jar of cheap wine was there. And someone then soaked a sponge with the wine and held it up to Jesus's mouth on the stem of a hyssop plant. And after Jesus drank the wine, he said, everything is done. And he bowed his head and died. The next day would be both the Sabbath and the Passover. It was a special day for the Jewish people, and they did not want the bodies to stay on the crosses during this day. So they asked Pilate to break the men's legs and take their bodies down. The soldiers first broke the legs of the other two men who were nailed there. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. And they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers struck his spear into Jesus' side. And blood and water came out. We know this is true because it was told by someone who saw it happen. Now you can have faith to all this happen. So that the scripture would come true. Which says no bone of his body will be broken. And they will see the one in whose side they have struck with a spear. Joseph from Arimathea was one of Jesus' disciples, and he had kept it secret, though, because he was afraid of the Jewish leaders. But now he asked Pilate to let him have Jesus' body, and Pilate gave him permission, and Joseph took it down from the cross. Nicodemus also came with about 30 kilograms of spices made from myrrhs and aloes. This was the same Nicodemus who had visited Jesus one night. The two men wrapped the body in linen cloth together with the spices, which was how the Jewish people buried their dead. And in the place where Jesus had been nailed to the cross, there was a garden with a tomb that had never been used. And the tomb was nearby. And since it was the time to prepare for the Sabbath, they were in a hurry to put Jesus's body there. Well, it's not an easy scene. Even if you haven't seen Mel Gibson's movie about the passion of the Christ, it's not an easy scene (laughs) to think about what actually is going on here. The crucifixion, the death of one person, actually three. Tortured. Hung up, heavy breathing, bloody. And so when we hear that, with our modern sensibilities, we can hear it and go, no, 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 no. That can't possibly be the way this needed to happen. We hear it and we visualize it and we think, that can't possibly be the best way for this problem to find a solution. We go back to Isaiah 53 that we read earlier, and we hear these words that surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. How harsh. Crushed. (laughs) The word for this, this theological word, is the atonement. This thing that is happening. And in the dictionary, atonement means this. A satisfaction or reparation for a wrong or an injury. A making of amends. Theologically, it's this. It's the doctrine concerning the reconciliation of God and humankind, especially as accomplished through the life and suffering and death of Jesus. There are many ways that we talk about the cross, that throughout Scripture you see different elements that are brought forth, different analogies, different motifs that are talked about, a scapegoat that goes out. Christ being a victor on the field of battle, the one who takes the punishment we deserve. But I think Leanne Van Dyke, who's a theologian, says best. Atonement theories seek to express in limited language the reality of God's decisive act on behalf of a broken world. There was some kind of victory that took place, Some kind of power shift in the universe, some kind of ransom paid, some kind of healing initiated, some ultimate kind of love displayed, some kind of dramatic rescue affected. Of course, the terrible paradox of the Christian faith is that this rescue, this victory, this healing happened because of a death, a notorious death. Public execution. And sometimes we hear that this is the thing that God did to Jesus. But I don't think that's what God did. So what is God doing here? The cross is not something that God has done to Jesus. The cross is something that God does as Jesus. It's at this place that we see in this moment that there is sin that is in the world that needs accounted for. There is something that needs to take place to take the brokenness that exists to bring healing and wholeness. There's a punishment that needs to come for the unholiness that reigns, the fracture that is in place. And God does not take Jesus unwillingly and put him on the cross. No, God in Jesus willingly moves himself to be on the cross for us. Jacob and Rachel Dillon Hollander are lawyers and pastors. She was a gymnast who helped bring down Larry Nasser, who was a physician who abused multiple, multiple gymnastic, gymnast in the United States. They have been advocates of abuse victims and ending the corruption that takes place in all areas. And they've written a paper outlining what they believe the cross gives us as it comes to dealing with abuse. In that paper, they say this, the incarnate son of God dies on the cross not because he was coerced into it by his father, but because that was the way God chose to forgive sinners and uphold justice. This was not a decision imposed by the father on the son, but a decision of the triune God to accomplish salvation in this way. There is no innocent third party Inserted or coerced into assuming the guilt of another. The atonement represents God's own action to bring salvation to his people. Today, people push off the violence that is the cross. Because we see it and we should turn away from it. It represents the brokenness and the sin that leads to death. But they turn away because they assume that Jesus is somehow less than God. But what God is doing on the cross in Christ is this Trinitarian, this three-in-one dance where before the foundation of the world they had agreed... That we will pay the penalty. We will be the victor. We will rescue our people. And so there is no coercion that happens here. There is no one. Jesus is not abused. But in fact, by taking on the death on the cross, he is the one who can stand completely with those who are. Because he is the one who stands to bring together not just judgment, but love. Interestingly enough, they go on to talk about how people perceive the wrath of God. And they say, if the wrath of God is grounded in his righteous and loving nature, the response of a good and holy being to all that is wrong and evil in the world, then it is wrong to think of the Son as satisfying the wrath of God or the wrath of the Father. Indeed, they say, the Bible itself speaks of the wrath of God rather than the wrath of the Father. At the cross, then, it's not the wrath of the Father that is satisfied by the Son, but rather it's the justice of God which is satisfied. See, the wrath is pushed towards the sin and the brokenness, but justice comes on the cross for those who have been broken so that they will be made new. The atonement does not represent the father giving uh, or venting a deep personal emotion. Rather, the atonement is the triune God's fulfillment of his commitment to upholding righteousness and punishing sin while simultaneously upholding his deep, steadfast love for humanity. That in Christ on the cross, all punishment is met. And the steadfast love of God is delivered through his own Trinitarian action. And so for us, we can rest knowing that bad things are not left. They will and are punished. That injustice will meet justice. That abuse will be reckoned. And that Christ has done it completely. First and foremost. On the cross. I believe this. That this faith. This walking in the way of Jesus. Distinguishes itself from everything else in the world. By tying justice. And love. Together. At the cross. That the problem with evil is answered in the self-sacrificing God who comes in steadfast love to make the way on the cross for us to be made holy in him. Let me pray for us. We rest in you, God. We know that it is painful for us to see the violence that is the cross. Holy Spirit, teach us, help us know that this is you moving to pay the penalty, to rescue us, to be victorious over death, to bring justice and to show forth your steadfast love. And that in that broken body, we are made whole. If there's anything that's not from you, God, let it burn up. But if it is, let it take root in our hearts today as we walk towards Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.